Now, the rapture of the church is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. That's what's going to happen. You and I, those of us that believe that are part of the church, we're going to be out of here. We're going to be taken up out of here. And I'm thankful for that. I praise God for that. But after that, then the tribulation period will start. Now, let's go to verse 15. I don't want to get too deep in this because it's important that we stay with the text. Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Now, as I said, the next event is the rapture. After the rapture happens, the seven-year period of tri- seven-year period tribulation period will happen on this earth. Daniel says there are a number of reasons why or the purposes of the tribulation period. In Daniel chapter 9, he says, first of all, to finish transgressions. Another purpose is to make an end to sins. He says another purpose is to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy one. Those are the purposes of the tribulation period. We know that God's going to pour out His wrath on unbelievers and primarily unbelieving Israel and during the time of the tribulation period. Now, at the beginning of the tribulation period, now everybody watch this, at the beginning of the tribulation period, the Antichrist, he will rise to power. He will lead that ten-nation federation spoken of in Israel. He will lead them into a covenant with Israel. This covenant will be a false covenant. But what it will do, it will promise essentially Israel peace. They will rebuild the temple and they will be allowed to worship in the temple. Three and one half years into that covenant, he's going to break it. And he is going to march into the temple and he is going to desecrate the altar and he is going to set up his throne and demand to be worshipped as God. That's what's going to happen. That is the abomination of desolation. When you see that phrase, the abomination of desolation, it is talking about the Antichrist's entrance into, in the middle of the tribulation period, into the temple that will be rebuilt at that time. Now, let's talk about this Antichrist. Let's talk about this Antichrist. Who is this Antichrist. It's very important. Well, go with me to Revelation chapter 13. I want to take you on a little journey and we'll just talk about this. Revelation chapter 13. I remember growing up, how many of you remember Jack Van Ippy? Y'all remember Jack Van Ippy? He was on television and Rex Ella and, you know, he had that preacher hair going on. He had that PhD, a Pentecostal hairdo. And uh, he would get on there and he'd do, he would spout off all these verses, man, man, man. And they speculated everybody from Hillary Clinton to Bill Clinton to, uh, Obama to some even thought it was uh, Trump and everybody. All these people think that all these different people are the Antichrist. Well, one, we do not know who the Antichrist is. We do not know. The Bible does not tell us who it is. And furthermore, he could be alive today. I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is not. But he will have to be alive at the time of the rapture. He will have to be somewhat popular. He will have to garner some kind of following. 
for people to follow him and for him to have the power over those ten nations. So look with me in Revelation chapter 13. Let's go down. Let's go to verse uh, uh, number 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Now watch this. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. The first thing you need to know about the Antichrist is he is he gets his strength from Satan. Satan is the dragon. He gets his strength. Now, listen, just so you know, Satan is not as powerful as Christ or God. No way. Satan does have power, but it's demonic power. But he's not equal with God. He's not equal with Jesus. But he has power, and he gives this Antichrist power and authority. Verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? The beast is the Antichrist. He's referred to as the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians. He is referred to as the beast here in Revelation. We have called him the Antichrist based on these things because he's Antichrist. Notice in verse 5, He was given a mouth speaking great things, Blasphemies. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So the Antichrist is going to be powerful. He's going to have authority over all the world. He is going to do signs and wonders. It looked like he was fatally, mortally wounded, but he was alive. And he's back to life. And people are going to marvel at this man. Now would you go with me to 2 Thessalonians? Just come on a little further in to the left there, to 2 Thessalonians. And I want you to see more of what the Scripture says about this this man, because there's no one like this fella. And, and I want to say this, and I'll talk about it in just a moment. Whatever God does, the devil tries to replicate. He's a liar, he's a deceiver, and he doesn't have anything of his own accord. There's a holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's an unholy trinity, the devil, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. All he does is emulate from an evil standpoint of what God does. He tries to do what God does. But we know that he will not be successful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, speaking of a specific day, will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, some people take this falling away to mean the rapture of the church. That's not what it means. This is where we get our word apostate from. There will be people who claim to be followers of Christ who fall away from following Christ. They were never really believers in Jesus. They went along with it, but they were never really followers of Christ before this happens. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself, this is the man of sin, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that when he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
This is the Antichrist. And Paul understood this by revelation of the Holy Spirit that he would sit in the temple and declare to be worshipped as God. Notice what he says here in verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Who is the one that restrains? He's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled church is the only thing keeping all hell from breaking loose on this earth. When He raptures us out, then the Antichrist comes in. He's empowered by the devil. Look at verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Incidentally, when I say this, how many of you remember what we were told in the New Testament about Jews? The Jews require a what? A sign. The Jews will be, unbelieving Jews will be primarily be de- being dealt with during the tribulation period. And what will he use to convince them? Signs. <coughs> Signs. Look at verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. So this Antichrist, this man of sin, halfway through the tribulation period, will walk into the temple. He'll stop the sacrifices that's going on of the Jews. And he will set up his throne. And he will demand to be worshipped as God. This marks a change in intensity. Incidentally, in 175 to 164, sometime in that period of B.C., the Syrian king Antiochus came in to and prefigured this event. What he did was he came in, he hated the Jewish sacrifices. And he came into the temple, he stopped the sacrifices... And he set up an idol, Zeus. How many of you ever heard of Zeus? The Greek god Zeus. Set up the idol Zeus to be worshipped in the temple. And he desecrated the altar by offering up a pig on the altar. You know that the pig was an unclean animal. He did this to desecrate. And that prefigures or shadows what the Antichrist will do when he goes into the temple and sets up his kingdom there, which is what we refer to as the abomination of desolation. Now, remember, let me reiterate, Satan is a liar. He is a liar. He falsely reciprocates everything that God does. He has the unholy trinity, I told you that. But he will also try to do signs and wonders because Jesus did miracles. It's all an attempt to deceive people. Do you understand that there is no light in the devil whatsoever? He doesn't have a little bit of good in him at all. He is pure evil. Pure evil. And the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. History, how many of you ever heard this? History repeats what? Itself. 
And so this is going to happen. Now look at verse 16. Notice what it says. Notice, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Why? Because this marks a change in the intensity. This will be to the earth, nor ever will be. This man who brokered a covenant between the Israeli people and this ten federation nation that he convinced to give them peace, it was a false peace. He will be evil and he will destroy at any hint of anyone who believes. This this is halfway in the tribulation period. The last three and one half years of the tribulation period, three and a half, three and a half equals seven, the last Three and a half years of the tribulation period is what we refer to as the great tribulation period. The great tribulation period. Look at verse 17. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Why? Because it's going to change. It's going to be marked by evil. It's going to be marked by death. It's going to be marked by the most horrific things you could ever think of. The message is, get out of Jerusalem. Don't go back for your stuff. Don't don't just get out. Go. Just be gone. Don't hesitate. Verse 18, let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Don't go get your clothes. Just get out. Verse 19, But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Why? Because they can't travel as freely. They can't move as freely and frequently as can the others. This is a time that will be noted of despicable horror and there is no depth to the depravity of this one that's called the beast or the Antichrist. Verse 20, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall be. It's interesting, the Greek reads kind of like this, no, never shall be, double negative, no, never shall be. This time is going to be pure evil. We know without getting it too far off the track, we know that during this time, He's going to demand that you take the mark of the beast. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't buy your medicine, you can't buy food, you can't have water, you can't do anything. No, no, none. No economic, no health care, nothing. Nothing. There will be people who refuse to take the mark of the beast that will instantly be slaughtered. Slaughtered. Women and men who refuse to take it, they'll slaughter their babies in front of them. You all, we do not understand the depths of evil that will take place in the tribulation period. In so much as, verse 22 says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. God says there's a time, there's a 42 months, there's three and one half years. Those three and one half years will be shortened. 
Because if not, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. For the elect's sake, he's talking about believing Israel. He's talking about those. And there will be people who come to faith in the tribulation period. There will be a lot of people who die during the tribulation period because of their faith and refusal to take the mark of the beast. In Revelation, John saw the souls of those who died. There was an innumerable, innumerable number of souls that were under the altar that died because of their faith. It's not like you can go to court and say, you know, I'm going to appeal this decision. There is no appellate court. It's death. But now, interesting, something happens in verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or there, do not believe it. Why? Because there will be many false Christs. Many false Christs. Now, let me just make a distinction between the Antichrist, the being definite article, the one Antichrist, versus many Antichrists spoken of in 2 John. Go with me to 2 John. I just want to cut off the path here for a second because I had this question. And I want to deal with this question. Someone asked me about those. <clears throat> and there are people who believe um, that there is not just one Antichrist, man of sin, etc. They believe that this is, means all people who are against Christ. Look at verse uh, 2 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. Look here, it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and Antichrist. John is saying at this time where he was writing this, there are already many out there in the world claiming to be Antichrist, claiming that Christ did not come in the flesh. He's not talking about that future time that we're talking about the Antichrist when he has his way, but he's talking about already working. Verse 8, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward... Whosoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. John is referring to as many antichrists as those who do not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There are those little antichrists all over the world today. Not the same as the man of sin. Not the same as the man who walks into the temple, the abomination of desolation, sets up his throne and demands to be worshipped. And Jesus said, listen, if someone says Christ is over here, don't run over there. If Christ is over here, if he says, hey, look at verse 24, back in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now notice the language here, if possible, even the elect. It's not possible. It's it's a hyperbole that means that they're so persuasive because people are easily uh, swayed. I mean, people actually watch fake news and believe it. People actually get their theology from Facebook. I mean, they do. And now TikTok, whatever that is. I know it's you watch these little videos, but I don't have it. But people get, they believe this stuff. 
And with the invention of social media, think about how easy it is for one message to go around the world and people buy into it. Verse 25, Jesus says, See, I told you beforehand. Now listen, this is very interesting. I want you to listen to take on this. Verse 26, Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out or look. He is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Why? I'll tell you why. Because during the tribulation period, there will be some who say he's out in the desert. And when you run out in the desert to look, when you get there, there'll be an army waiting to kill you. When you, they say he's over in this room and you run, don't do it, he says. Because when you go there, they see that you're seeking Christ and you're seeking the truth. They're going to kill you. In the tribulation period, people won't have the opportunity to gather like we are and open the Word of God. If they find out, you're dead. I'm talking D-E-A-D, dead. Dead. Verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles or the vultures will gather together. You know what Jesus says? Jesus said, I'll tell you this. When I come, you'll know it. No one's going to have to tell you he's over there. Because just next week we'll find, well, it won't be next week, we'll probably have Thanksgiving. Um, But what he's saying is, Jesus is telling, look, you don't have to worry. When I come, You'll know it. You'll know it. There will be visible signs. And the Bible says later in this same text that every eye will behold Him. They will see Him coming in the clouds with great glory. Let me just recap. Number one, The man of sin who is energized by Satan will deceive the world into following him. The United Nations is a picture of the ten-nation federation that will exist during this time. There are ten nations who are going to come together. The United States of America will not be a superpower in prophecy. You will not find America... Listed as American prophecy, it'll either be absorbed by the European Union or they'll just be, we won't, we'll just be another, you take out all the believers of all the United States of America and America's not going to be a superpower anymore. He will have great power. He will have signs and wonders. He will deceive people into believing him that he is a man of peace. And if you just look around today, it's already falling into place. It's already falling into place. There were some Jews who flew into Washington, D.C. They got out of their plane on the tarmac and they had hired bus companies. They were having a a rally to support Israel and the Jews in Washington, D.C. on the National Mall. 
they hired busing companies to bus all these individuals that flew into uh, Washington, D.C. to the National Mall from the airport. The bus drivers refused to go get them. They stayed on the tarmac for about an hour. They had some extra buses come. They actually boarded the buses, and then they told them to get off the buses, and then they ended up getting back on the plane, sat there for four hours, and then returned their flight home. Every nation will go against Israel, even the United States of America. Our colleges, our secular universities have become a bastion of sin and hatred and a tool of the Antichrist. A tool of the Antichrist. The man of sin is energized by Satan. He will deceive the world into following him. He'll make a false covenant with Israel. This is at the beginning of the tribulation period. Israel, as they have in times past in the Old Testament, when they relied on uh, Babylon and they relied on other pagan nations, they entered into contracts with them thinking that they would be protected. They'll find out they were false covenants. You cannot. You cannot enter into a contract with a terrorist and think that he will keep his word. That's impossible. He's a terrorist. Three and a half years, three and a half years into this false covenant, he will march right into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. He will desecrate, stop the sacrifices. He will desecrate the altar. He will set up a throne and he will demand to be worshipped as God. Idolatry in the temple. Then from there he will unleash horror, deception, and tribulation like never before and like there will ever be. It's going to be the worst time on the face of the earth according to Jesus in the Scriptures. I don't know if we truly understand the depths of how bad it will be. And you say, well, preacher, that's all good, but we'll be out of here. Yes, but we know people that won't. Do you know that every mainline denomination has had the fewest converts and the fewest baptisms in the last recent years than they have in the entirety of their existence as mainline denominations? We're trending... Downward towards lawlessness. We're trending away from that. Moving. The church has stopped telling men and women, boys and girls, about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I can't fathom. I mean, I, I love the study prophecy. I love to see this. But when I read this and I, think, I see what Jesus is telling them, what he's telling us about how bad it's going to be. And the church is losing her evangelistic fervor. 
her desire to tell people about Jesus Christ? We as believers read this. Yes, we're informed about the end times, but that informing us of the end times should be a motivation for us to do the Lord's work. And there are kids over there tonight that have come in on a bus, our church van. We're going to try to tell them the gospel so they can be saved. I run into people from time to time and they've ridden our buses in the years past and they were saved and they tell me about that. They tell me about the various teachers they had here. What a blessing. Each one of you that have children, you know how much you love your children. Could you imagine watching your child die because they didn't have the medicine they needed? This is the kind of person this man of sin is. He would love nothing more than to plunge everyone into hell with him. We can't change the fact that the tribulation period's coming. We can't elect a president that's going to stop this. The Bible says it's going to happen, that evil will wax worse and worse. We're not here to change the morality of America. We're here to change people from death unto life by telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm trying to get better myself. And what we need, church, is to look at this and this motivate us to give the message of Jesus Christ and salvation through Christ alone. That's what we really need. We don't need worship wars. We don't need arguing over the style of music or this, that, or the other. What we need is a good old-fashioned revival. As believers, we need, in this time, we need growth and devotion. We need to be growing in our walk with Jesus and our devotion to Him. And we need to be sharing the message with others. We need to be faithful. And you all are faithful, but let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's tell others about Jesus. Listen, I love missions and we send missionaries money and and we send missionaries across the world. But that doesn't alleviate what we need to do here. Sometimes it's easy for us to throw a little bit of money at missions and feel good about ourselves and not be involved. World mission starts right here. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Portsmouth, Ohio, United States, the world. You say, well, I don't live in Portsmouth. Well, 
wherever you live, Ohio. And if you live in Kentucky, Kentucky, you know what I'm saying. So when we read this, this is not for us to say, whew, whew, thank God, I'm not going to be here. That is good, but that's not it. It's to motivate us to be the body of Jesus. The hands, the feet, the eyes, the mouth, the body of Christ. Using the spiritual gifts He gave us to help others find and follow Jesus Christ. Everyone in here knows someone that needs the Lord. The question is, what will you do about it? As we go through these texts and we study this, we've crested, and I didn't have time. If you, if you want to read what the tribulation period is going to be like, jump over into Revelation Start reading Revelation chapter 6 all the way through 19. You'll see a detailed account of what's going to happen in the tribulation period. But be known. Let it be known tonight. Jesus is the only way to avoid being left here during the tribulation period. Not good works. Not your intelligence. Only by believing in Jesus Christ. That's it. Would you bow with me?